right. Awesome. Okay, so who's in midterms? Everybody's in midterms, right? As am I, by the way. I'm with you. I'm in seminary right now. And I have to take my philosophy, Christian philosophy, by the way, on Thursday. And uh, you have probably, I have probably never, and I was a history major, right? And so history majors, we read a lot. I have never read such a verbose author in my life, okay? And I feel you guys, who's doing a lot of reading right now? Yes. Yes. Um, so I'll pray for you. You guys pray for me. We're all in this together, right? But we're here. You guys are already in this room. So everybody pay attention. It's going to be a good word. I heard the speaker is pretty good. So everybody focus. Ready? Here we go. All right. So my name is Sarah, and I used to actually spend majority of my Emmaus career here at Yonsei. And so Tina's right. Um, I was going to do the whole like, emo spiel before her, before she said it, but I kind of I did it. She already did it. But, um, so most of you guys actually don't know me because I'm actually a Hongdae Alpha. So even if you guys go to New Philadelphia Church on Sundays, I don't see your faces because I'm in the morning session. And so I don't know majority of you, but I would just want to cut the awkward gap between us right now and just say, you know what? I probably know you pretty well, right? You know why? It's because I really do have a heart for this campus especially. Um, you know, I've spoken to other Emmaus campuses, but you guys are my and so you can't, you can't tell them, and I'm sure it's already on podcast, right? Okay. Um, but you guys are my favorite, okay? This is my, this is my favorite campus. And so, um, yeah. And so I've been kind of preparing for this message for some time now. And uh, I just want to give you a little story. So when I was in high school, which was not too long ago, by the way. I'm, yes, thank you, Matt. Matt only knows what I'm saying. He knows what I'm saying, okay? Um, it was not that long ago, but in high school, there was this, like, thing that we used to do and it'd be like um it started from you know when you're in a korean church right um you get fed lunch and then you have to stand in the line because it's always buffet style right and so i was standing in line and then some of my friends cut me and then someone was like hey are you even christian right it was like a joke right like are you even christian and we're like oh that's so funny and so like we're driving to mcdonald's and someone like changed over are you even christian why are you doing that are you even saved Right? That was like, it was like a little thing that we did. And then it became so popular in my youth group that every little thing you did wrong or even right, actually, we just said, are you even Christian? Like, open, are you even Christian? Right? And, you know, it grieved my youth pastor very much, but um, we didn't listen. We we're just doing it. And it was so funny to us. And even in, um, when I was in class, I was actually having class with my one of my youth friends and then the it was like halloween weekend we had all these plans and he's like writing all this homework and we're like are you even christian we, we just said it like we didn't even think about it. we just said it and it was just like it was just jargon we just kept saying it. are you even christian and then after we were all we went to college right and our first break our first thanksgiving break back together um we, we went to a club and um underaged yeah, we were all underage, and, you know, because we lived the life now, right? We were in college for three months. We're adults. We, we got it together. And so we're doing, um, all of my, my friends from youth group, by the way, we had, like, rows of shots, and we're like, yeah, we're, we're in college now. We're all adults. Woo! And then someone from the back is like, are you even Christian? We're like, like, er. okay, that, we, we took it too far. And that's literally the last time anybody said, are you even a Christian? It was started as a joke. It started as a joke. But of course, somebody always ruins a joke, right? Some knucklehead thinks it's funny 
when you're actually not doing what you're supposed to be doing and say, are you even a Christian? It makes you feel really bad about it, right? And so that's the last time I heard that phrase. Are you even a Christian? But I don't know why. I kept thinking about that story this week. And I want to ask you guys the same questions, but in a serious manner. Like, seriously, are you even a Christian? Are you even a Christian? Everybody was like, all of a sudden you guys don't want to look at me. Are you even a Christian? Seriously, are you even a Christian? Because I'm guessing most of you guys grew up in Christian families or, you know, lived a Christian life for some time now. And so you could wear the Christian t-shirts and have the cross hanging on your windshield and the Jesus fish on your bumper. Who knows what I'm talking about? And all the Americans said, amen. I know that Jesus fish. I had one in every color. Don't worry. I had all the cars in my house all decked out in Jesus gear. Okay, don't worry. That was me too. You can check Christian as an option in your box. But are you really Christian? I read this quote uh, earlier today and said, it doesn't matter if you can quote the Bible if you live like you've never opened it. I lost more eyes just now. And listen, I didn't come all the way over here, okay, just to kind of like dance around you guys and just kind of entertain you and leave, okay? I came to be like really real with you guys. And I know, once again, some of you guys don't know me, but let's just act like we know each other really well, okay? Because I love this campus so much. It's, you guys will really offend me if you guys act like you guys didn't like me. Okay? All right? I really, really like this campus. I like Emmaus in this campus. I, by default, I really like you guys. And so I don't want to, like, make you feel better and make you feel good about where you are right now and say, have a great week, and I'll let your familiar leaders just take care of the rest. Okay? Let's all turn to Revelation chapter 3. You know it's real when Revelation comes out, right? <laughs> it's not, we're not joking around. It's Revelation chapter 3. Like Psalms is okay, but when you go to Revelations. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 to 22. If you're there, just look up. Wow, that's pretty good. 15 to 22. I'll read the odds. It starts with 15, so it's odd. I'll start with the odds, and you guys do the evens, and we'll end with you guys finishing the passage. Okay? You guys ready? I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. That's me. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. <clears throat> to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. 
I'm going to read verse 15 and 16 again. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Mm. So my Sunday school teacher, she was like, um, she was so scary. I, she was so scary. And she was big too. So she was even scarier, right? And so um, my Sunday school teacher, my youth pastor would quote this Bible verse and say, do you want Jesus to spit you out of his mouth? Like, no, you know, no. Like, do you want to go to hell? No, you know, no, I don't want to go to hell. Like, don't be lukewarm. You have to be hot. You have to be hot. You have to be passionate for God. Hot. You got to be hot. And I was like, and I'm just crying because I don't know how. I don't want to go to hell, you know, but, but nobody's telling me how to not be lukewarm. You're just telling me not to be lukewarm, but how do I not become lukewarm? And I'm just crying because I'm scared. And I think I know what hell is like, and I don't want to be there, right? That's the kind of conversation you have in Sunday school and in youth group. Um, not me, though. But if you did, you know, you know what I'm saying? Don't be lukewarm. God, Jesus will spit you out of his mouth. Spit you out. It's crazy. So you're taking your time and you're, you know, you're praying and the Lord, just make me hot. Make me hot. I don't know what that hot means. Just make me hot. Just, I don't know what it is. Just hot. Just hot. Just give me hot. Right? Hot. Because when I was in high school, what I actually thought was being hot was jumping really high during worship service. Crying a lot when you're praying. Feeling the emotions when things are happening. Writing down like copious notes while the speaker is speaking because that's what makes a hot Christian. Right? Hot as in hot, not hot as in the other hot. Right? And so... Every worship night that there was in my neighborhood or in my area, and every retreat, and of course, it's the last night of the retreat, right? It's the last night of the retreat. I'm just asking, give me hot. Burn me up. Bring me passion. Just, just give me hot so I'm not lukewarm. But how many of you guys have experienced when the hot comes, but then it goes away? But the hot doesn't actually go to cold. It actually goes to lukewarm right in the middle. So by the time I got to college, I was like, you know what? What's the point of seeking after such retreats and worship nights and college ministries and churches and whatever? What's the point of going to these things when eventually, even if I do get hot, I'm going to hit that right in the middle point of lukewarm. So I decided not to do the chase anymore and just stop. Just stop. And in essence, that's what being lukewarm is. You stop trying. You stop doing anything. Because I'm Christian enough. I'm holy enough. I'm good enough. You're saying, listen, I don't kill nobody. Listen, I'm, I'm, it's okay. I haven't killed anybody. I don't do drugs. I don't, you know, do all these like crazy sins in one lifetime. You know, you got, you know, I don't, I don't cause wars and genocides. And you gotta be like, you gotta be thinking about someone like Hitler or Lenin or who else? Who else did I write? <laughs> all these craziest dictators, like, you know, that, that's bad. But have you ever seen a video of Hitler making a speech? Have you ever seen a video of him? There's like no, no voice needed. Have you ever seen him do it? Does he look lukewarm to you? Does he look like he's in the middle of something to you? 
Like he's kind of like, I kind of don't like the Jews. I, I kind of like, no. They are burning for something. And no, it's not a good type of burning where they're burning with hate. But they're burning with something. So you cannot tell me that you're going to compare yourself to people who completely sin, who are completely in the world, who completely do not know Jesus. You cannot say that you can compare yourself to them and say, I'm okay. Lukewarm. Are you even a Christian? Do you burn for Christ? When someone mentions God and what he has done, does something leap inside of you? When you picture a Christian life, do you just see gray? Like, whatever, everything's cool. Nothing's really that exciting about the Christian life. Or do you see colors and dimensions and things that you have never seen before? When I was in high school, these local worship sessions... It was pretty typical, you know, worship sermon, but it was every once a month for like three years, right? So that's a pretty long time. And every speaker they ever brought had this like ridiculous testimony, like almost unbelievable. Because, you know, it's the youth, right? You got you to gotta capture their attention. And so one pastor comes in and he talks about his testimony about how he used to be in a gang in Florida. And when he was about to die from overdosing from some drugs, Jesus comes to him. He meets him powerfully, encounters him literally face to face. And he survives the overdose, right? Gets up and Jesus says, repent from your ways. Walk away right now. Repent from your ways. So the next day he goes to his gang leader and says, hey, I'm done with this life. I'm done. And the gang leader says, you can't leave until everybody in, the mem- in, in your gang member stabs you in the back because that's what you're doing to us. <sighs> it's, a, it's a room of like 300 youth. We're like, oh my God. And then he shows us like 15 backstab wounds right all across his back. Scabs like this big. And he said, it was worth it to live a life for Christ. And then we have this other pastor. She's a woman. And she talked about how she used to live a life of promiscuity. Promiscuity? Promiscuity. Promiscuity. And she actually had abortion three times. And when she was about to commit suicide, Jesus met her and said, "Don't, don't end your life. And the next day she gave her life to the Lord. And as she was... Um, you know, living out her life, she met her husband, her future husband, and they found out because of all the abortions that she's had, um, her organs are not healthy. And most likely, she will not be able to have kids. But she said, my husband and I, we held on to faith. And she ends the, she's she's so, she, what's a better word? She's so crazy. So she ends the, she ends the sermon with bringing out her three children up on stage mic drop and then she's done right we hear stories like that over and over and over again for three years i've literally every single pastor had a story like that but the more you hear about these amazing stories the less you're moved by it you find yourself like saying oh that's good job god god that was so bravo bravo god And you don't seem to find yourself being excited by the testimonies that these people are talking about. About the gospel in their life. About the God that is so powerful that he heals. And you sit there saying, bravo God. 
that was good. That's what it does to you. But why is that? Because like I said, I don't want to sit here and yell at you guys about don't be lukewarm or you're going to go to hell. Don't be lukewarm, be hot, or Jesus will spit you out of his mouth. All right? But why are we even going there? Why are we even getting to the place of being lukewarm? Because people will present you the gospel. And you say, that's okay. Thanks. It's all right. And like the quote that said it before, our lives don't reflect what we believe in. And our day-to-day actions don't believe what we say we believe in. Are you even a Christian? Let's look at verse 17. He said, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Why are we so lukewarm and why are we so in between? It's because to be a Christian isn't enough to just say there is a Christ. I think there is a Christ. I know of a Christ. The relationship of a Christian is your relation to Christ. That's the relationship. That's how you call yourself a Christian, right? Because here's the thing. Muslims believe Jesus was alive. Historians believe that Jesus was a historical figure. Even people who have no religion, they can say, hey, yeah, Jesus could be alive. Yeah, I don't don't doubt that. But what is the difference between them and us who are Christians? It's our acknowledgement of the type of relationship we have with Christ. It's the type of relationship. In relation to Christ and in relation to God, we're all sinners we're all sinners we're all sinners in romans chapter 3 verse 23 it says this for all have sinned and fall short fall short of the glory of god and all are justified freely by his grace the redemption that came by christ jesus we're all sinners this is basic theology for any reformed person okay we are, sinner, we are sinners, we are innately sinners. And the reason why we can't seem to connect Jesus, who took nails to his hands and feet, thorns to his brow, lashes on his back for us, right? For us is because we don't think we are sinful enough, messed up enough, broken enough to need that kind of grace. The reason why we feel lukewarm is because we forgot or don't even realize the sinful nature that we have and how holy he is. We don't realize the darkness in us and the light in him. We don't realize the bondage that we carry and the freedom that he has. We don't see the depravity in our life and how the love he has can satisfy every need. So maybe the source of our lukewarm life Isn't that the gospel just doesn't seem interesting anymore? Or living for Jesus seems like a waste of time. But it's because we don't have the right view of ourselves. See, we all have to recognize the difference between us and him. Because nobody wants to give up their life for a peer. We're not on the same level as Jesus. Not even close. 
you give up your life to live for someone that is so much bigger than you. It is the sick that need a doctor, but the doctor cannot help the patient who will not recognize his own sickness. There's no need for the doctor if the patient will not recognize how sick he is. Now, I came here to preach, and um, like I said, I like you more than you know me. And my heart for you is bigger than um, that you care, than you care, I guess. But the thing is, with Emmaus and a college ministry in this city, and for a lot of you guys are exchange students, right? Who are exchange students? Yeah. A lot of you guys are exchange students. This is a precious time that Emmaus gets to have with you guys, even the four-year students. And every time I draw up a sermon, at the end of the day, it's what's the point of this message? What's the point of this message? How many of you guys were at the Maranatha retreat a couple weekends ago? How many of you guys were so blessed by the retreat? I heard good things about it. Now, listen, the point of this message is not to just make you feel like a sinner, drill into your head how sinful you are, how bad you are, but it's to never have that lukewarm heart again, ever again. I'm just a little bit older than you guys, just a little bit. And after the transformation I have had with God, there's still moments of being lukewarm. There's still moments where I feel in the depths of my sinful nature that maybe I don't need God. And maybe God is a little bit obsolete right now. And I don't really need to do what, you know, my familiar leader tells me. I don't really need to go to church on Sunday. I don't really need to come to large groups on Tuesday because it just seems obsolete. But as soon as you get there to that point where you say, God and me are a little bit separated from apart, and I don't really need him. That's when lukewarm hits like a quickness. Do you know how you fight lukewarmness? Is seeing how big God is. That's it. How big is God in your life? Because that's what separates you from everybody else. That's what separates you from a Muslim. How big is God in your life? How important is God in your life. Some of you guys are sitting there like, listen, Sarah, look chill because I'm not that messed up. Seriously. And I've been there, please. Listen, I don't have, I've been there. Listen, because I was, I did not, I grew up in like the most, um, how do I say this? I grew up in the most comfortable, polished, nice neighborhood in Virginia. Don't worry. Okay. I have not known hardship for most of my life. I get it, okay? My parents have made decisions for my life so that I can live a comfortable life. And up until recently, I've made decisions for my life to make sure I live that comfortable life, okay? I have not really seen, sinned that gravely, I don't think, you know? Um, I have broken that many rules. I have gone to church most of my life, and that is where you guys are sitting right now. You guys are church folks. Church folks. Okay? But let me tell you, when you realize the depravity of yourself, you see the cracks in you that you have never noticed before. Some of you guys actually deal with depression. 
And it's not depression like really deep, like people who are chronically depressed. But you guys have moments of depression. Where you just fall into a moment when everything kind of, all the busyness, busyness kind of stops. And all the parties are done. And all the schoolwork is done. All the friends hangout is over. You kind of come home by yourself and you feel a little depressed. Some of you guys have lust issues. And some of you guys have addiction to pornography. Those are the cracks that don't seem very big right now. But if you don't recognize the depravity of ourselves as man, as humans, we will never recognize God for the God that he is. Now, a lot of you, actually, when I was praying, God said that you guys feel dissatisfied with a lot of things. Dissatisfied with your life, dissatisfied with where it's going, dissatisfied with how, it's, how you think it's going to end up. Dissatisfaction is lukewarmness. It causes cracks in your heart. And the other thing is this. You might think that you're all right, but that's actually the devil's number one tactic on you, especially this generation. You guys are okay. Not bad, not great, okay. Because if you're okay, there's no need to rock the boat. There's no need to tell somebody your problems because it's okay. There's no need to confront somebody because it's okay. There's no need to confront your heart because it's okay. The devil's lying to you even right now, telling you, don't listen to what she's saying because you're okay. Don't hide because it's just the simple nature of man. We are broken. We need God. And I'm trying to kind of upturn the table of, of the, what the enemy is trying to, trying to lay out for you and say, hey, hide what you got to hide. Don't talk about what you don't want to talk about. Just, just have a secret. Have a little secret meeting with me all the time. What the, that doesn't even sound right. You know what I mean? Like, but when you don't confess your sins... When you're afraid to talk to your familiar leader about what you're going through. When you purposely pull out from things like large group, from church, from familia. That's the devil saying, it's because you're okay. You don't need it. You're okay. In verse 19 to 22 says this, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. For those of you who are not Christians, if there are any in this room, the invitation is an open door. It's a door that if, as, as long as you open, Jesus is on the other side. But for a lot of you, you guys are already in the door. You guys are already in. Salvation is probably not a problem for you guys. But the word that he describes here is the word victorious. And for those who are victorious, and let me tell you about a little secret about victory, okay? Victory doesn't belong to the lukewarm. And victory belongs to those who are hot and on fire for God. It belongs to those who fully know how broken they are, but how big God is in their life. 
Victory belongs, belongs to those who believe God is all-powerful, and Jesus is the only answer. He calls you guys to be victorious. Do you feel victorious in your life right now? Do you, can, you, can, you, can, can you come up in here and grab my mic and say, I feel victorious over my life right now? The truth is, God's calling us to be victorious. If you don't feel victorious, there's something wrong there. If you're not on fire for God, you know, that's the thing. If you hang around with the same group of people for too long, everything seems normal. If you're around the same culture for too long, everything seems normal. I went to the States a couple weeks ago, and, you know, in Korea, everything's like quick, quick. Everything's fast, right? I was at um, Target. And there, I was in front, I was in the line, and there were three people in front of me, and nobody would open up another lane. I was about to lose my Christianity right there. My God. I was, mm. I, I was in my head, because I've been living in Korea for so long, why is nobody opening up another lane? I'm, I'm in line. Like, why, is nobody, why isn't it going faster? And I'm, I'm like sweating. I'm like, <sighs> like, this is so annoying. And my mom's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, why won't they open up another line? There's like 15 lines in this giant Target. And I've realized my culture has changed me. <laughs> I can't stand it. I can't do it no more. <laughs> but like that, a lot of you, especially the exchange students, have come from similar backgrounds for most of your life. And the thing is, if I was your age, when I was your age, someone came up here and told me, hey, actually, you don't have to live a lukewarm Christian life for the rest of your life. I'd be like, what? You're kidding, right? Because I had my fire in youth group. I had my fire in my senior year in high school. But not, not right now. And what I see is everybody else living the same life over and over again. Being lukewarm. And I felt like if I come in here and tell you straight to your face, hey, Living a lukewarm Christian life doesn't have to be for you. If I said that, I was hoping that some of you guys would have a light bulb going off in your head. and said, really? Really? I could live a passion, passion filled life for Christ for the rest of my life? Really? It doesn't depend on where I am? Really? It doesn't depend on, you know, if my pastor just sounds good or my familiar, familiar leader is really wise, which they are. But, you know, yes. Victory. If you're lukewarm, you can't have victory. Sin will override your life so quickly. Depression will eat you up very quickly. Are you lukewarm? Are you even a Christian? Because the standard of Christianity is very different from what the world says. The standard of Christianity as seen in the Bible is different from what sometimes even man thinks of his own. Are you even a Christian? Do you feel alive? Even when things are going wrong in your life, do you feel alive? Not when things are going right. When all, when, not when all your friends are calling you up to the same party and you'll feel really great about yourself. 
Not when all the A's are streaming in. But do you feel alive? Are you even a Christian? You know, I had this, you know, the campus director of Korea University. She's my best friend. And um, we had this, like, running joke that um, guest speakers just kind of come in and say whatever they want and, like, be really offensive. And be like, bye. Y'all take care of whatever happens afterwards. (laughs) But I can't do that to you guys. It's not okay to be lukewarm. And no matter what you've heard about being lukewarm for most of your Christian life, it can be defeated. It can be defeated. But we always need to have a clear vision of who God is and who we are and what that relationship is like. Is the gospel still powerful to you? If I just spit out the gospel in a very plain form, is it still powerful to you? When you stand and worship, do do the words speak to you? They might seem very like superficial ways to measure if you're on fire or not. But when you're touched by the word of God, how can that not be being on fire for God? When you're standing in worship and you feel free, how can that not be being passionate for God? It's not an act. It's not an act of lifting your hands at the right time and crying when you're supposed to. Being lukewarm is not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And I, wanna, I just want to come here and tell you guys that. That not only is not okay, but you don't have to be there. Trust me, you don't want to be there. You don't want to live a life where everything kind of looks gray. I could tell you from personal experience, okay? You don't want to be there. Fight it. Fight for it. Fight for the passion. Don't stay the same. Don't, don't, don't st- like, stop trying. Don't do that anymore. Don't, don't just sit there and wait for somebody to come to you. Don't wait for things to just roll by your side and just like, oh, that, that played out nicely. Don't do it. Let me just pray for you guys.